Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome home. Are you thankful? Are you thankful to be here this morning? Are you thankful to be alive? Yes. Are you thankful for the opportunity to give God the thanks and praise that he deserves today? I know you are. And I'm thankful to be here with our church family. Welcome those of you who are here, those of you who are joining us online, those of you who are joining us later in the week. Uh, thank you for being here with us this morning. Uh, my name's Adam. If we haven't met yet, I'm the associate pastor, and we're continuing through a series today called Hurts, Habits, and Hangups. And uh, what we're doing is, honestly, this is kind of preparing us for the launch of our Celebrate Recovery ministry after the first of the year. And uh, we're using a book called Life's Healing Choices. I think we have a graphic for that. Um, it's written by a guy named John Baker, and it goes along with the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. And uh, with kind of using this book as a, as a guide to lead us through some very biblical principles that, quite frankly, all of us need. Whether you are in recovery from something, whether you are addicted to something or not, these are principles that all of us need to have on our minds and on our hearts. And so we're actually, we're emphasizing three things here. One is, let me go back here to the title slide. One is, all of us have hurts, habits, and hangups, right? If you, I, we always know that we have hurts, right? Every, but if you think, if you would raise your hand and say, I've had no bad habits, I've had no hangups, may I suggest pride might be yours, Right? We have all had hurts, habits, and hangups. And so that's, that's the first thing that we're emphasizing in this. The second thing, though, is that God wants to bring healing and wholeness to those things. God wants to bring healing and wholeness to our lives. And then the third thing that kind of runs throughout this series is that we have a part to play in that. Now, don't misunderstand me. Anything that we receive from God, whether it's salvation, whether it's health, or wholeness, or some miracle, or freedom from some addiction, anything that we receive from God is a gift of his grace that we cannot earn. But that doesn't mean we don't have a part to play. A lot of you have heard me use this illustration. If, if we buy our kids Christmas presents, okay, who am I kidding? If my wife buys our kids Christmas presents... I'm always excited to see every year on Christmas what we got them. <laughs> That's not true. I usually help rap. But if we buy our kids Christmas presents, they're bought, they're paid for, those gifts are theirs to receive, but if they never unwrap the gift, then they never get to enjoy it, right? They have a part to play in receiving that gift. And so when it comes to, to the health and the wholeness and the healing that God wants to bring to our lives, we've got to unwrap the gift. And so this book is just walking us through eight different choices that correspond uh, roughly with the Beatitudes that we read about in Matthew chapter 5 that tell us some choices we need to make to unwrap the gift of God's healing and wholeness. And so just a review really quickly. Uh, choice number one is in, we, it's admitting our need. It's the reality choice. Read it with me. Realize I'm not God. I am powerless to control the world around me. I am not capable of overcoming my hurts, habits, and hangups in my own strength. We need God. If you can't admit that, the rest isn't going to help you much. That's where we have to start. We need God. Second choice 
getting help. This is the hope choice. Read it with me. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. In other words, God loves me enough and is powerful enough to bring victory into my life, right? So we turn to God. We turn to him for help. So today we come to choice number three. This choice is called letting go. This is the commitment choice. Read it with me. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and concern. So I'm just going to be up front with you. This is the choice where you accept Christ as your Savior if you haven't done that already. And if you have done that already, this is the choice where you renew your commitment to him in complete surrender. God, everything I am is yours. Everything I have is yours. I belong to you, and I surrender it all to you. This is the choice where you let go of anything that you are holding on to in life that might be preventing you from complete surrender to him as your Lord and your King. So we're going to start and we're going to end with this verse. Look at what Jesus says. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no, right? Is anything worth more than your soul? No, of course not. So if I was going to paraphrase this verse, here's what I would say. There's nothing this world offers that is worth holding on to at the expense of complete surrender to Christ. That's what Jesus is saying in that verse. There is nothing that this world has to offer that is worth holding on to at the expense of complete surrender to Jesus. So to, to walk through this, we're going we're gonna to look at Jonah today. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. Most people, I, I'm sure, you, even people who, who didn't grow up in church or aren't in church probably know at least a little bit about Jonah, right? He's the dude who was swallowed by a big fish. And so we're going to talk about Jonah. We're going to walk through. I don't know if you remember. I, I remember in, I don't know, maybe high school or English or something that, you know, we were taught, you know, as a way to sort of skim what you need to skim. If you have a whole bunch of reading, read the first sentence of the paragraph, and that kind of gives you the gist of it. I don't know if that's cheating or not. They taught us in school, so that can't be cheating, right? That's kind of what we're going to do with the book of Jonah. We're just going to, we're going to do a crash course, Cliff's Notes version of Jonah by kind of just looking at a verse or two, usually the first verse, from each of the four chapters. Okay, so you, you know the story, I'm sure. Jonah, Jonah sinned against God by saying no. You realize that's what sin is. It's just saying no to God. And so God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to the, the city of Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh, they, the, the Israelites, they were great enemies of the Israelites. They hated each other. And God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, I want you to preach to them, tell them that I'm going to bring destruction on their city, but they need to repent of their sin. So Jonah gets on a boat, see Nineveh is this way, he gets on a boat heading that way <laughs> to a town called Tarshish, that's where it was headed. And so as they're out on the sea, Jonah is running away from God. He's saying no to God. This storm blows in, coincidentally, I'm sure. That was sarcasm. This storm blows in, and it's threatening the lives of not just Jonah, but the sailors on this ship. And so Jonah 
in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Say those three words with me, all my fault. Some of you were stumbling over saying that, weren't you? What's interesting, Jonah appears to make our choice number one from life's healing choices, which involves taking responsibility for our actions and admitting our need. And so he convinces the sailors to throw him overboard, and uh, he is, of course, as we know, promptly swallowed by what? This is a, the this is a theology lesson today, folks. It does not say it was a whale. It says a big fish, all right? Maybe it was a whale, I don't know. Maybe we're just being technical. But yeah, he was swallowed by this large fish. Now, I will let you leave that to your imagination as to what that was like. I'm pretty sure, you know, when I think of that story, I think of like the pictures in the kids' books or the kids' Bibles where you have this dude sitting Indian style in this large room with a giant uvula hanging in the back. You know, that's the little thing in the back of your throat that hangs down. And he's got, a, he's got like a match lit. Where did he get a match and how is it dry? Right? But that's the picture that, but I, if something tells me it was not like that. I'll let you use your imagination to decide how awful this must have been. But let me ask you a question. What would have happened to Jonah if he hadn't been swallowed by the fish? Probably would have drowned, right? So we can look at this fish swallowing. We can look at that as an act of God's judgment, or we could look at it as an act of God's grace. This is huge, folks. This isn't what we're preaching on today, but this is, this is worth the price of admission, okay? Those of you watching online, we don't actually charge admission to get into church. Listen to this. Sometimes unpleasant circumstances are actually acts of God's grace saving us from something worse. Sometimes unpleasant circumstances are actually God's grace saving us from something worse. This fish saved Jonah from drowning. And so while he's inside this fish with his little match lit, apparently, it says this, chapter 2, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And he goes on and he prays and he ends his prayer in verse 9 saying, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Jonah appears to be making our choice too. Jonah had apparently read Life's Healing Choices by John Baker because now he's making our choice number two, which is turning to God as your source of strength and help. So he prays to God. And the fish bleh, pukes him up on the land. Again, I'll let you use your imagination with that. I have read that most likely, this is gross. This will keep you from thinking about lunch later so you can concentrate, okay? I have read that his skin would like to it would theorize that his, his skin would have been bleached white from the acid in the fish's digestive tract. Yeah. Now you're not thinking about lunch. You're welcome. The fish pukes Jonah up on to dry land. And so we go to the beginning of chapter 3, 
Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, deliver the message I've given you, and this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, and he went to Nineveh. He goes and he preaches this message, this powerful message of repentance. And the most beautiful, wonderful thing happens. It's what every preacher dreams about. Every time we preach, we have dreams of preaching this incredible, impactful message. And people just immediately pour down the aisle to the altar and get saved and fully surrender themselves to God. That happens. Every preacher's dream, it happens to Jonah. He preaches and the people repent of their sin. And so God relents and he says, okay, you've turned to me. I've gotten your attention. I'm not going to bring the destruction on your city that I said I was going to bring. What a wonderful, happily ever after story um, that just gives me warm fuzzies. I'm so glad that the story ends there. Some of you are chuckling because you know the story doesn't end there. There's one more chapter in there. Ah, why does there have to be chapter four? See, Jonah in chapter four shows himself actually to be a little bit of an imposter. Jonah says, uh, says this, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. In other words, the plan to destroy these terrible, horrible, awful, no good people that lived in Nineveh, the plan to destroy them, that plan changed because of their repentance. And that change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. And he complained to the Lord about it. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Shouldn't that leave you saying, praise God? No. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. I would rather die than see those people live. Those people. I would rather die than see those people live. Now, just so we're clear, Jonah was mad that these people who he didn't like received God's grace and mercy for their sin. He was mad at that literally days after he received God's grace and mercy for his sin. Literally days later. He was angry about that. It's interesting, everybody else in this story repents. Repent just means to change directions. I'm walking this way, I repent, and I walk this way. That's what the word repentance means. Everybody else in the story repents. The sailors repent. Initially, they weren't going to send Jonah overboard, and then they decided they would. They repented there. They changed direction. More importantly, it says they repented of their sin and turned to God. Go back and read it in chapter 1. It's amazing. They repented. 
The Ninevites, they obviously repented. They repented of their sin. We might say God repented, not of his sin, because God has no sin, but he repented in the sense that he changed his mind. He was going to bring destruction on the city. He changed his mind and didn't. He repented. We might even say the fish repented, right? Hmm, I'm going to eat this guy. No, I'm not. Everybody in the story repents, except for the man who this book is named after. God goes on in the rest of the chapter to give Jonah a, a powerful object lesson. You can read it yourself. A lesson basically to show him how stupid and selfish he was being. In fact, what is revealed, what it's revealed in the last chapter is the heart that said no to God in the first chapter. What's revealed at the end of the story is the heart that said no to God at the beginning of the story. Now, yeah, Jonah ended up obeying. He ended up obeying. But his heart still wasn't right. His heart wasn't right. In fact, you might say Jonah surrendered his actions to God, but not his heart. He surrendered his actions to God, but not his heart. By the way, there's a fancy name for that today. It's called legalism. It's doing the right things when God really doesn't have your heart. There's an old joke about a guy who was, he was training his dog and his neighbor was watching him and the guy would tell his dog to sit and the dog would sit, but the guy wouldn't give him his treat. Pretty soon, the dog would get up. The guy would say, sit. The dog would sit. The guy wouldn't give him his treat. After this happened several times, the neighbor hollered across the fence, hey, why don't you give him a treat? He's obeying. He's doing what you, what you want. And the guy said, well, yeah, if I tell him to sit, he'll sit. But I know inside he's still standing. <laughs> kind of what Jonah did. It's kind of what Jonah did. Let me tell you something this morning. When you get to choice three here, there's no pretending. If you try to cheat this step, eventually that's going to be revealed. You can almost cheat on choice number one. You can give the appearance of kind of admitting your need and owning your actions. You can almost cheat on choice number two. You can say that you believe that God is big enough and loves you enough to help, but not really do anything with that belief. But you can't fake choice three for very long. You can't fake complete surrender to God for very long. Like Jonah, eventually that's going to be revealed. You cannot fake for very long a heart that is completely surrendered to God. Jonah found out. Eventually that gets revealed. And so what I want to do this morning... For the rest of our time, I want to give you four, actually I'm going to give you five ways to surrender to Christ. The, the first four ways come directly from, from our book, Life's Healing Choices. Um, and so the first one is uh, accept God as your Savior. If you have not done that, accept Christ as your Savior. That's the first way. Now, if you're, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what, 
I want to follow Christ. I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. How do I do that? Think of, think of ABC, okay? Admit that you are a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. Believe that Jesus took your sin on himself when he died on the cross. And then commit the rest of your life to following him and allowing him, to, as, as you surrender to him, allowing him to bring transformation to your heart and life. Admit, believe, confess. Now, there's no ma- that's not some magical formula. That's just a way to sort of put into words the decision, the decision to follow Christ. And I don't want to take for granted this morning. There may be someone here. There may be someone watching online. Today's the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you have not received Christ as your Savior, today is the day to make that choice. So I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a little bit to do that. So first way to surrender to God for you today might be accept God as your Savior. Now, this is a Sunday morning church crowd, so I am going to assume that most of us have already done that. But that doesn't mean any of us are off the hook. So here's a few more ways that we can surrender to God today. Accept God's word as your standard. Accept God's word as your standard. Here's the thing. Uh, Some of us want to use our personal opinions to shape how we interpret scripture. When what we need to do as Christians is allow scripture to shape our personal opinions. Did, did, Did you follow me on that? Some of us want to use our personal opinions to shape how we interpret Scripture. What we need to do is allow Scripture to shape our personal opinions. Listen, stop trying to bend God's Word to fit your opinions and instead bring your opinions under the authority of God's Word. Some of us in the church today need to do that. The Bible, God's Word, that is the lens through which we view the world through which we view God, through which we view ourselves, through which we view other people. The Bible is that primary lens. It's not our personal opinions. It's not how the personal opinions of our friend. It's not our emotions. Sometimes emotions get a kind of a bad rap. Listen, God created us with the ability to have emotions, okay? God has emotions, Emotions aren't bad, but when emotions become the primary lens through which we view life and make choices and form our opinions, that's not healthy. Our opinions are not the primary lens through which we view the world. Our emotions are not. Can I just, can I just say, I'm going to say this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get up on my soapbox, but I'm just going to say this, okay? Cable news networks are not the primary lens through which we view the world. Come on. Come on. God's word is the primary lens through which we view the world. And some of us here today, some, somebody watching online, I'm going to guess, needs to surrender to Christ by accepting God's word as your standard. As the standard by which you form your opinions, by which you form your views on things, by the the standard through which you view other people and yourself and God. It is God's word that is our standard. Third thing, maybe today it's time to accept God's will as your purpose. Now, it's, it's not a bad thing to have plans 
for your future, you should have plans for your future. But have you brought those plans under the lordship of Christ? Have you surrendered those plans to him? Have you surrendered your purpose in life to him? See, here's what happens. When we surrender our plans and our purposes to God, uh, usually, I mean, there's one of two things that happens. Either God is going to say, thank you for trusting me enough to surrender those to me. But you know what? I created you the way that you are, and I put those desires in your heart. But now that you've surrendered those to me, we're going to do more through those purposes and plans than you ever thought. Or we surrender our plans and purposes to God, and God says, thank you for trusting me enough to surrender those to me. There's nothing wrong with those plans, but I have something different for you. And if you'll continue following me and surrendering to me, these plans that I have for you are going to be a lot better than what you have over here. But you know what? Either way, God gets the glory. And either way, we have a better life than we could ever pursue, simply pursuing our own plans and purposes. And of course, the best example of this in Scripture is when Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's just moments from being arrested, hours from being crucified, he knows what's coming, and he prays, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to do this, Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What was Jesus doing? He was surrendering his plans and his purposes to the Father. There's a great prayer that Isaiah prays in the Old Testament. Such a short, simple, but powerful prayer. Here am I, send me. Is that the prayer of your heart today? Here am I, send me. <laughs> Sarah and I were watching a TV show this week. There was a guy that had this giant tattoo across his back. It was this giant cross, and it said, Here am I, send me. And I told Sarah, I'm getting that on my back. I've decided. <laughs> and then Sarah undecided. Here am I. Send me. God, I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll talk to whoever you want me to talk to. You want me to stay, I'll stay. You want me to go, I'll go. Chris Tomlin should write a song about this. He did. Here am I, God, send me. Is that something you need to surrender to God today? Your plans, your purposes, surrender to his purposes. Fourth one, accept God's power as your strength. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is the one speaking to me today. This is the one I need to hear today. Accept God's power as your strength. Look what, look what this verse says. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ who gives me strength. He is our source of strength. He is our source of power. And some of us, like me, have a tendency to drift towards overconfidence in ourselves or in our own abilities or in our own smarts or in our own talents or in our own resources. 
And sometimes we forget, I am not the source of my own strength. God is the source of my strength. He is my source of power. I, um, I mentioned a week or two ago, Last, I don't know, 10 or 12 months have been, been tough for my family. We've had some big life changes. We've had um, some tragedies in our, our family. We've had some hospital stays, not a, among the five of us, but in our extended family. We've had, just feels like a million, million, million little things in between that all just sort of pile up. It's been a, kind of a tough year. I need to be reminded today, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one, that I need to look to God as my strength. I need to be in his word. I need to be in prayer. I need to be spending time with him and allowing the Holy Spirit to give me his strength. Is that a way that you need to surrender today? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Here's, here's the four. Accept God as your savior. Accept God's word as your standard. Accept God's will as your purpose. And accept God's power as your strength. My guess, I'm gonna give you a fifth one here in just a second, like I said. But my guess is that every one of us here today, every one of us watching online, could stand a little deeper surrender in at least one of these. I don't care who you are. Which one is yours? I already told you, number four, that's speaking to me today. Is there one of those that God is whispering to your heart this morning? Or, let's get back to Jonah. Is there somebody here today You've been doing the right things. Maybe you go, to, you go to church. Maybe you even give money to church. You try to be a good person. You try to treat people all right. You don't cuss much. Except maybe when the chiefs get a totally bogus roughing the passer call. You're doing the right things. but your heart's not in it. You've surrendered to God your actions, but you haven't surrendered to him your heart. And you know you're holding back from God. I'm gonna guess by sheer numbers that there is somebody here today or somebody watching online who would say, that's me, I'm Jonah. I'm doing the right things, but God doesn't have my heart. I haven't surrendered to him my heart. Listen to this quote from our book, Lasting Recovery. In other words, from our hurts, habits, and hangups cannot happen without total surrender to him. Can't. You can put a Band-Aid on it. That's it. Do you need to spend some time today saying, God, I surrender to you, my heart. I want to love you. God, fill my heart with love for you and love for the people you've created around me. 
once again, Jesus said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? In other words, there's nothing this world offers that is worth holding on to at the expense of complete surrender to Christ. What do you need to let go of today? If you're one of those who, who needs to surrender to God by accepting Christ, ask our band to go ahead and come. Um, what, are you, what are you holding on to that has prevented you up to this point from following Christ? Is it your pride? I don't need, I don't need God. I don't need his forgiveness. In the words of that great daytime theologian, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Is it shame? Has Satan convinced you, I've done too much, I've sinned too much? You realize that's kind of like, I mean, you might as well look at Jesus hanging on the cross and say, sorry, Jesus, what you're doing isn't enough. It's basically what that means. Today's the day to let go of your pride, let go of your shame, let go of whatever it is keeping you from following Christ and embrace him as your savior. And as for the rest of you who have already made that decision, what do you need to let go of today? Might still be pride. Might still be shame. Might be something else. But will you come this morning? Will you come pray? Will you pray at your seat? Will you spend some time as we worship just praying, God, I surrender to you everything, heart, mind, body, soul, not just my actions. God, I give you my heart. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to be fake. I just want to be yours. Whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to do through me, wherever you want to send me, God, that's my prayer today. If you want to come forward and pray this morning as we sing, I invite you to come.